the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome to the Larry Rosenthal Show with Larry Rosenthal, your financial retirement expert here in studio with us as he is every Saturday morning. Good morning, Larry. Well, good morning, Chris. You're looking nice and chipper today. Yes, I am. I'm enjoying the post-4th of July celebration of sorts. People have really enjoyed This has been a great holiday. I really love to see what happened in the mall in Washington with all the flyovers and the military appreciation. And it's just it's been really been pretty neat, I thought. I agree. Lots of good shows all over the country, so very, very good. Lots of fireworks shows. Yep, absolutely. One of my favorite holiday weekends. So, again, happy birthday, America. Happy Fourth of July long weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Amen. Good deal. Good deal. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal's show here. I'd like to list, welcome our longtime listeners on the D.C., Baltimore area, WAVA Channel 105.1 on your FM dial, as well as our newer listeners on Sirius XM channel 131 family talk good morning everyone as always i always like to have open mic saturday with any financial planning questions you may have feel free to give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123 that's 855-767-3123 whether it's estate planning the economy trade whatever it may be your 401k plan interest rates the federal reserve give us a ring 855 rose one two three so chris we're back at the part where the market is getting good news or the economy is getting good news and the stocks are dropping economy gets bad news and stocks are rising what's going on here <laughs> something is not normal it's the, it's the backwards day <laughs> you're like talking you, wall street normal right. is that the, in the same sense it's like pretty you, good there right? your clothes backwards let's or break this down real quick you know yesterday we had just a tremendous jobs report as well as increase uh um uh participation in the in the workforce you know two great things you know 244,000 jobs were added uh, very very nice and then all of a sudden stocks opened up a couple hundred points down yesterday they, they closed well off the lows you know just down 42 points or so the markets were pretty much flat yesterday and the reason why is this is when you see such a, a strong jobs report now we can nitpick and, and, and pull things in and out of, of any report basically that that comes out, but when you see a strong jobs report, then the, the the ball sort of goes back to the other side, and the Fed might go, you know what, you know, the economy, you know, we, we, we might not have to cut rates, because the economy's looking a little bit strong. 
You know, the the Fed, when the economy starts to slow and shows weakness, they will drop rates in order to stimulate growth. On the other side of that, when the economy's robust, they're going to raise rates. Fed's two, the, well, the Fed has many mandates, but two of their primary mandates, as you know, Chris, is maximum employment, which we have, and price stability, which we have as well. You know, inflation is ticking under 2%. Fed, the Fed wants inflation to be right around 2%, and it's dropped down below that. So, you know, part of people are out there saying, hey, we're looking for a job for a, a, a rate cut, you know, at, at the end of July. And the Fed's just sitting back going, you know, we're seeing data on both sides of this equation. If there's a, if there's a rate cut, Part of the markets are going to look at it and go, great, and the other part's going to look at it and go, wait a second, wait a second, what are they seeing? Where's the weakness coming from? What's happening? Well, you know, this slowdown that we're having is is as a result of people getting a little worried since, since we're sort of getting long in the tooth about uh, trade. Trade and tariffs and, and, and things like that. You know, the global economy is definitely a lot slower than ours. Ours is still expanding, just not at the same rate it did last year, but it's still got some very handsome numbers to it. So stay tuned. We're going to be seeing good news, markets drop, bad news, markets rising because they want that stimulus to come in. So, you know, I'm sort of in the camp of let's let this thing grow organic for a while and, and see where we are uh, you know and then you know everybody's got their own opinion on on what the Fed should be doing but between now and July 31st when they meet again there's going to be plenty of economic data that comes out that's going to sway their opinion you know everybody's in this and at some point the, the Fed's going to move in the right direction based off of the data at hand and so we're, we're still three weeks three and a half weeks away from the July 31st meeting. Lots of data is coming out, as I said, Chris. So so stay tuned. And that's pretty much what's been going on uh, with, with this jobs number yesterday. That's why you saw the market open up so low. But it climbed back up, though, uh, which, is, which is good news. So um, you know, I always like to start the show off with any financial data that's happening in the markets and, and, and things of that nature. What do we do at this point in time with, with uh, the markets at, at – close to all-time highs. You know, we reached all-time highs on Wednesday, July 3rd, this past week, uh, before the 4th, and the markets pulled back slightly yesterday on, on the 5th, and mainly due to, to the jobs number. So what do we do if you want to put new money to work in this marketplace? Well, we're going to look at dollar cost averaging. In other words, if you've got some money that you're saying, hey, it's sitting in the bank, it's not earning anything, the Fed may lower rates, what am I going to do? How am I going to get some interest? You know, you want to put the money into the marketplace. Now is probably a good time to do one of the best ways to create wealth, which is dollar cost averaging, which is you take that amount of money you want to put in and you break it up maybe over 12 different months of investments. You put the same amount of money into your investments each month regardless of the price that month, and it will give you the best average over a long period of time for investing. A uh, very, very uh, good way to go about uh, investing, accumulating shares. And the good news on that, Chris, is that if you're in a retirement plan, a 401k plan, the government TSP plan, a 403b plan, whatever it is, and you're putting money in from your paycheck, you're automatically doing dollar cost averaging at every uh, paycheck interval there. So that's a good thing. Hey, let's open up the phone lines and give us a call here at 855-ROSE-123, 855-ROSE-123, or 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. 
Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. We've all heard the more risk you get, the more opportunity there is for growth in returns in your investments. However, can you have too much risk in your investments so that you get diminishing returns? You can only water ski behind one boat at a time. Make sure your risk-adjusted return is aligned with your investment objectives. ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life? Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise? Now you can be part of something that brings hope. What we do is we actually pay for the school fees. For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year. We pay for the school fees, and that averages around $500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the the uniform, that whole thing. Call now, 703-201-2494. Or go to starschildrenafrica.org. For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school. 703-201-2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703-201-2494. You've seen and heard him on Fox Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. And welcome back to The Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. To talk to Larry Rosenthal, your financial and retirement expert here in studio. Larry? Chris, we get questions all the time from clients all across the country, and one of the questions that we often get is seeking balance in your portfolio, your balance between risk and return, your balance between your principal staying stable versus going up and down and flying all around the place, right? Mm. And as a young investor, people say, oh, I've got plenty of time, don't worry about it, but as we get closer to retirement or needing money for college or whatever the case may be there, people say, hey, you know what, I want to be a little bit more conservative with my investments. I don't want them to bounce up and down as much. How do you seek balance in an investment? Is is there an investment that provides balance automatically right out of the gate? And the answer is yes. And so many people... Um, struggle with this uh, question on the relationship between stocks and bonds. And as we know, let's take bonds first. The primary investment objective of bonds is current income and growth is secondary, while stocks tend to provide more growth opportunity and income is sort of secondary in nature there. So so when you take a look at having a balanced mixture, you know, a a good balanced mixture would be maybe 70-30, 70% stocks, 30% bonds, or 50-50 right? Mm-hmm. It depends on your risk tolerance, how much you want your principal to fluctuate versus how much income you want right now 
versus how much growth you want for down the road. And you sort of have that sliding scale back and forth. I say all of this because this is a very frequently asked question to myself and, and a lot of our financial advisors. And one of the things that, that I want to point out here is there are mutual funds out there that are already built and designed to be in this arena for you. For example, you can buy a mutual fund. You can buy a balanced type of a mutual fund that has a, a mixture already built for you of maybe 85% stocks, 15% bonds, or, or 70% stocks, 30% bonds. <clears throat> so. So that would be a, a fund that you might want to put into your core of your investment portfolio so that you always know that you're going to have that type of mixture there. Maybe, you know, in, in, in all of your investments, maybe you put 50% of your money inside maybe three balanced type funds so that you've got a rock-solid base, it's a wide, steady base, and you're producing some income, you're getting some growth, but you're also keeping a good eye on the downside of things should, should the markets turn against you. So it's important to understand the difference between a balanced type of a mutual fund and a target date mutual fund. You know, you see these target date funds out there that have, um, uh, you know, like target 2035, target 2040, 4045, target 2050, that type of stuff. Those types of funds are designed to have, like if you take a, a target 20. Uh, 40 right now. So so 21 years from now, that fund is going to have the majority, maybe even as much as 100% in bonds when it gets to 2040, when it gets to the year 2040. Versus today, it might have 90% in stocks, 10% in bonds. And as that, as you move forward in time, it will slowly move more towards the bond side versus a true balanced fund is always going to stay balanced in that type of an arena for you. So there's a difference between a target date fund and a balanced mutual fund, and oftentimes people get these confused. Now, moving forward into your target date funds, 401k plans are, are just populated with them. And one of the things that you have to understand in a target date mutual fund is taking a look at what the glide path is. There are target date funds that go to and target date funds that go through. And what I mean by that is if you have a target date fund, let's say 2040 is the target date, where it's going to have, let's say, 100% in bonds in year 2040, some of them are going to go to that point where it's going to get to 2040 and it's going to you know just remain 100% in bonds going forward whereas other ones might go all the way down and might have only 80% in bonds and go through 2040 but always remain 20% equity 80% bonds so you have to understand what's going on inside that fund by reading the prospectus of it all these are, these are some very common questions that we get asked all the time because at the end of the day you want to make sure your risk acceptance level you know it, it, obviously your risk level is acceptable acceptable uh, to, to, to the amount of money that you're having at, at risk there so hey if you want information on balance funds or target date funds you can visit my website LarryRosenthal.com check out our library there we've got plenty of resources for you there or a lot of people will just email us at my website LarryRosenthal.com and say hey you know I heard you talking 
talking about these balanced funds on the on the radio. I want to get get some information on it for you. I'll be happy to send it all out to you. Uh, so um, I see we're coming up against another break here, Chris. Let's go ahead and uh, pick up some phone calls here. But give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123 as well as go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and, and like us and follow us on Facebook. We'll send out information similar to things that we're talking about here today. I'll uh, be happy to uh, put you on that list as well. Sign up for our newsletter as well. It's it's free, no charge, Chris, which is always a good thing, right? Let's welcome Anita on the line from Florida. Good morning, Anita. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you today? I have a question. We did a will, and um, it's divide. everything is going to our three children. But we have since moved and left that state that the will was done in. Do we need to do a new will for the state we're living in? Yes, you need to just talk to an attorney and just make sure that that the uh, covenants inside that will 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 work with your current state that you're domicile in, and you probably okay. just have to make a couple of little changes there. Okay. All right. That was okay. that was my question. Thank you. Yep. Thank you so much. Anita, I also want to add something to that, okay? When you're okay. when you're looking at estate planning here, and this is actually one of the subjects that I was going to talk about this morning on my show, so this is a great timely call. You want to make sure that your beneficiary forms are filled out correctly as well. Okay, because okay. like your IRAs and your retirement plans and your and, and bank accounts and anything that has a named beneficiary is going to override whatever's on that will. In other okay. words, the beneficiary form is the is the strongest form out there. It's stronger than a will or a trust. So make sure so, that everything flows according to what your wishes are, and it starts with your beneficiary form. So if we have a joint checking account, my husband and I, should we do a beneficiary uh, form through the bank for all the accounts we have and make each other a beneficiary and then go down the line to the children? Exactly, and like if you're that? dealing okay. with a and if you're dealing with a bank account, then it's going to be called POD, payable on okay. death. So if something happens gotcha. to both you and your husband right now, that joint uh-huh. checking account is going to go through probate, which is the court's I distribution see. process. But if you have okay. your and joint checking account with Anita and husband, POD right. meaning payable on death, if something God forbid right. happens to both of y'all, then it's automatically right. going to go to the heirs that you name on that POD form. And it'll avoid probate. And do you probate get that through and, the bank? Does it get? Does the bank provide these, or where yes, would we get these? Yes, yes. Any institution, okay. wherever your money's held, if it's at a mutual fund company, okay. at a bank, a credit union, wherever it is, you can always ask for either POD or TOD. If it's an investment, it's TOD, okay. transfer on okay. death. Bank accounts are right. POD. So this way, it'll avoid probate, court fees, time delays, and attorneys' costs. It'll go directly to the people that you want it to go to. Okay. Thank you so much. Did not know that. Yep, Thank you. you're you're welcome. I actually have, have a, a, a whole a whole kit on all of that. If you want, be happy to send it out to you, or just go right into the bank and tell them that's what you want to do. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Appreciate the phone mm-hmm. call. You listen to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at eight five five Rose one two three. That's eight five five seven six seven three one two three. Let's welcome Mike on the line from Washington State. Good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How can I help you, sir? I just want to know really quick what your thoughts are on uh, taking some of my 401k and converting it either into silver and or gold. What would be the purpose of that? And you mean you mean actually buying the actual metal or buying the yes. price of it, like uh, the the ETF? What are you talking about? 
actually buying the medals themselves. What's your investment objective? Is it more for doomsday scenario, or is it more because you believe in the commodity sector right now? Uh, a little, a little of the first, but probably more of the second. Well, then, then I would look at 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 getting the the silver ETF or the gold ETF instead of converting it into the metal because. It, it it's a little challenging when you're putting it into an IRA to do that. Be, and then on top of that, there's large fees, in my opinion, to buy to converting it into the actual metal itself. Uh, there, there, there's a big commission going in and a big commission going out. But if you're looking at that asset class, you can just buy like the the a, an ETF that buys all of it for you. That way you're not going to pay this massive amount of, of, of uh, expense to get in and to get out of it. Plus, it's it's very, very liquid for you. Okay, that makes sense. What about just purchasing precious metals without taking it out of the IRA? Again, it's the same scenario right there. Um, are you doing it now for a collector standpoint, the doomsday scenario, or because you believe in the commodity sector? You know, if it's if it's the collector standpoint, I've got a very good friend of mine who who does that a lot, and he he collects coins and he collects these, and it's pretty neat. But you know, remember at the end of the day, when if you were going to take that that silver dollar or that gold dollar or whatever it is down to the store, you're still just going to get a dollar's worth of goods for it. You have to sell it to right, somebody right. else for that spot price on that day, and that's where the the commission stuff will, will come in if you're doing it through type of an exchange or, or a company like that, unless you're going to a show to do it. As far as the doomsday stuff goes, you know, I, I, if something happened to the dollar or, or something like that, I just don't see us going back to the gold standard where you're going to, where you're going to go down to the store and shave off some gold to, to, to get a meal. I, I just don't see that. I think we're more in a digital type of an age when it comes to all of that. So in times of, of rising inflation, commodities will, will do pretty well. And we don't have a lot of rising inflation right now. So so gold, if, if you go back and t- take a look at gold and, and the metals and things, there are times in the market, short-lived times, when they've done very, very well. But long-term, they're usually not outpacing taxes and inflation. So just be careful with the amount of dollars that you actually stick into it. Okay, Mike? All right, then. Thank you. Yep, appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Again, Larry Rosenthal Show. Dial us up with any of your questions on anything at all, any subject matter at all that you may have today, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's welcome Tara on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Tara. How are you today? Morning, you. I'm doing well. How can I help you? I have been made the executive of my mother's estate. Now I need, I have located the assets. I have paid the creditors. Now I need to know how do I close it out. You've you so you've you've paid everything off. Yes, there was no property. It was just bank accounts, retirement accounts, um, and insurances. Okay, so you can just go down to the probate court and just tell them everything's done, everything's settled, everything's liquidated, every everything's fine, and you're confident no more creditors could show up. They'll just close it out for you. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, there's, there's one last thing. Um, what about taxes? There, her, her last W-2 came in. So how do I file her taxes? 
or taxes on the estate. So was she? Uh, what? Well, uh, first of all, I'm sorry for your loss. Okay. Um, Thank you. And lat was she, did she pass in 2018? Yes. Yeah. So the estate's not closed yet until you pay this tax. So you've got to pay this last year tax return. Do you work with a tax preparer? Yes. Just simply go to him or her and say, hey, you know, I'm the executor of my mom's estate. Here's the deal. Give them a copy, if you can find one, of your mom's 2017 taxes, and then give them the W-2 uh, form or 1099s from, from 2018, and they'll, they'll settle that out. After that f- return is f- completed, then you're going to go to the probate court and close it out. Okay. Got it. Thank okay. you very much. You're welcome. Appreciate the phone call. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and welcome Nancy on the line from New Hampshire. Good morning, Nancy. How are you today? I am well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How can I help you? I wanted to ask um, about Social Security. I'm still working. I'm 67 years old, and I'm still working full time. I got my first Social Security check, but I filed under my ex. Um, Social Security. Okay. And I've had several people tell me that I should have just um, filed under my own. And and then I, I know that the money that uh, if I don't do my own, I've been told that it's earning 8% interest between... 66 and 70 years old. Yes. So what was the best thing for me to do? So I don't know. So here's the story. When you're, when you're If you've reached your normal retirement age, and as you've stated here, it's 67 in, in, in for you, you can work and make an unlimited amount of money. Then the question becomes, is it is it better for you to take Social Security now or since you're working, you may not need it, and then allow it to to maximize the benefit up to age 70. And if you do that, each year at 68, 69, and 70, it will grow by 8% your income stream. The question here with that piece right now, Nancy, is are you needing to, are you using any of your savings or investments to help you live in addition to your work income? And if the answer is yes, then I would say take Social Security, because why spend down your own savings and investments when Social Security's on deck ready to give you money that you can save your own principal of your own dollars? The the second part of that there is, if you did take Social Security, would you be able to retire and not work? Do you want to retire and not work is another question. So so those are two of the competing questions right there that you really have to break down. Then the third part of this conversation is I would have to look to see what your your ex-spouse's benefit is um, versus uh, uh, your benefit, and you would take the larger of the two, obviously. Now, there is a way that you could take take his maybe and then defer yours also. We, we have a uh, software in our office that, that we would put all of your information in, and it would tell you, which is the best option for you to, to select from. Um, so I would need to get, get some history of earnings, and then I'd be able to, to really give you the definitive answer on all that. But the bigger picture here is, do you want to continue working? And if so, that's great. 
do you you know how is your health is it is it best for you to wait and defer your social security to 70 versus starting it now you know what's your life going to be like when you're 70 75 years old things of that nature is it really going to change the scenario so much because your break-even point is probably in your latter 70 78 79 maybe even 80 years old if you were to take social security now versus deferring it to 70 those are the questions that we really have to boil down okay because the this this month, um, the, uh, Social Security office has told me that I could collect half of my ex's Social Security until I decide to collect my own. Yes, I know you can do that. Yep, that's correct. But yep. and if if you want to keep on working, then then that's fine too. And yours will continue to defer at eight percent. That'll work perfect okay. for you. Yep. Okay. Not All a problem right. then. All right. Appreciate thank, the phone call. Thank yep. you. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Go to go to our website, LarryRosenthal.com, if you want, and go ahead and follow us on Facebook. Appreciate the phone call. You listen to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Let's welcome Maria on the line from North Carolina. Good morning, Maria. How are you? Good morning. Good. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you today? Uh, yes, Mr. Larry. I got a question. Um. I got some money on my savings, and right now, what is the best um, advice from you to invest my money in? Well, Maria, it depends on what your objective is and, and how much money you you need to keep in the bank. I want you to make sure that you have an adequate cash reserve in the bank for emergencies, anywhere from three to six months where the living expenses really need to stay in the bank, Okay. Um, then take a look at the rest of your investment. Do you have other investments, savings, mutual funds? What 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 else do you have? No, I don't have. I don't have other. But um, it's just like the money that I have, and that you know, I'm still working and you know, getting money every month. But um, the savings that I have, I actually have it on my checking account. But it's like it's you know, I feel like it's not doing anything. I mean, the money sitting in there and. If I would like to take it out and put it like, you know, invested in something, even if it's a little bit of it, not everything. Sure. Maria, what what I'm going to do is is I, 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 I'm going to send you out our financial planning toolkit, and it's going to enable us to really take a look at where you are, your time horizon, your risk tolerance, how much income versus expenses you have, your ability to save. Then I'll be in a position to really tell you where and how you should invest it. But it sounds like to me we need to maybe just get a little bit better interest rate uh, for you and and but still keep the, the money safe and stable. Uh, we, we don't want to overextend any risk in what you're talking about. So I'm going to put you on hold, and, and Bob will get some information from you, and we'll have uh, an advisor reach out to you as well as uh, send you out our financial planning toolkit. Is that okay? Okay, sounds good. Thank you very much. Absolutely. You have a wonderful weekend. Appreciate the phone call. Let's let's go ahead and welcome uh, Kelly on the line from Indiana. Good morning, Kelly. How are you? Good morning, Larry. Thank you for the show. I'm learning a lot. Good. I appreciate that. Uh, my question is uh, moving from one investment company to another. Um, who is responsible uh, for helping me do that? Is it the company that I have my money with now or the company that I want to move to? Actually, both. And here's the way okay. it plays out, Kelly. You, The company that you want to move to will have a transfer form for you to sign. 
then they will okay. fill out that transfer form with your correct information, account numbers of what you want to transfer. Then they will send it to your old company. Okay. Then once your old that company receives that paperwork in good order, okay, then they have yes. to execute it and transfer it over according to how that, that transfer paperwork is instructing them to do it. Okay, so it sounds pretty easy in that uh, you made it sound like I just need to put my signature on it. Well, you need to put your signature on it, but there's also lots of stuff involved. Is is this dealing with a non-IRA account or an IRA account or a 401K? What's the story there? Uh, 401K uh, that was converted to an IRA after I left the job. Okay, so so you have an you have an individual IRA at at company A, and you want to move that individual IRA to company B? Piece of cake. Yes. You take company B's transfer form, and you tell them to move it all over. Now, in your existing IRA, are there stocks and things in there that you want to keep, or do you want them to sell it all out and move over cash, and then the new company buy stuff the way they see it? Um, well, when you say company, are, are you meaning another investment company or the new company I'm working for? So the the old company where the money's held now has yes. it invested in different things, right? Yes. On the transfer form from the new company, you can instruct the old company to send it over in kind, meaning you'll get the same investments over to the new company, or they could just move it to cash and then send it over and the new company will, will purchase. Okay. Uh, and the new company, may I say the name of one of the companies? Sure, whatever you want. Okay. I didn't know if that was okay, but um, I hear a lot of advertising for Fidelity Investments having zero cost to uh, a handful, I think it's like less than half a dozen of their mutual funds. And I was just wondering uh, what you thought. I mean, I love to pay zero costs, and I was wondering what you thought of that. Um, zero cost sounds very good, but somewhere somebody has to make something, right? So we, we have to look to, look to see what the expense ratios are, the fees involved, or the actual funds involved in it. Um, uh, so, so, you know, I dive down and take a good look in, in, into it. Um, also remember this too, the, the company that you're, you're currently at, are you working with an advisor or, or not? I, I am not. Okay. So then you, if you're doing it all yourself, then you want your, your fees to be as low as possible. You, I mean, you always do. Uh, but also yes. don't, don't just, don't discount the value of professional guidance and advice unless you're doing it, you know, full time. Uh, and if you're capable of that, then, then that, then that's great. Uh, just, so just get the prospectuses out and, and find out where the costs are, if there are any costs. I've seen some of the ads. Um, but I haven't uh, pulled it all down yet, uh, you know, to, to, to really look at. It's a brand-new program. Okay. I will look into that and make sure that what they're saying is true. I hope it is. And so thank you very much for 
for your yep. answers. Well, I'm sure it is. Yep, absolutely. You have a great weekend. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. Also, go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and like us and follow us on Facebook. We'll be pushing out all types of educational information to you each week, just once a week. We're not going to bomb you with uh, the stuff on Facebook, but just once a week, we're, we're, we're going to be sending you out educational information. Let's welcome Heather on the line from Florida. Good morning, Heather. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you today? Well, I started three years ago putting into my IRA um, through my office. I'm 43. How long should I do this, and how much should I be putting in? Right now, I'm I'm pretty sure between the doctor and I, we're putting in 8%. So I want you to put in as much as you possibly can each pay period, each month that your budget allows for as long as you possibly can. Here's the story, Heather. You're, you're 42 years old, so you've probably got another 20-ish years to save and then one day when you retire, let's say it's 62, let's put 20 years on it, okay? You st- that money's got to last you to 72, 82, 92, maybe even 102. So we need to get compound interest growing tax-deferred as much as possible, as soon as possible, so that you can have these dollars down the road in your retirement years. Okay. So okay. there's not like a percentage that you would recommend? Well, the percentage that I would recommend is is how much you can afford. You know, let's suppose let's suppose you can say, you know what, I can afford a thousand dollars a month, just as an example. Mm-hmm. But you go, well, if I can save a thousand dollars a month, I can't go out and get a pizza and a movie on Friday night. Right. Guess what? That's probably not going to work too long because you have to put some lifestyle into your life. Correct. You right. have to have a standard of living. So if you say, well, I can afford $1,000 a month at the at the max, maybe I'm going to back it off to $700 a month, and now I'm going to be able to go out to you know dinner on the weekends and, and movies or whatever it is that you do so that you have a balanced mix of saving as much as you possibly can, but you're also allowing yourself to live, too. You know, you don't want to come home at night and not turn the lights on because you don't want, you want to save on your electric bill, right? That's That's standard of living. So... So that's really the deal right there. So, and so, which one do you like better, a Roth or a simple IRA? Well, if it's your employer's scenario where money's going in, it's going to be on the simple side because unless they open up a Roth opportunity for you. But I like both, and here's the reason why. When you take a look at, at what a pre-tax account does versus the post-tax Roth does, it does two things, the pre-tax or the simple enables you to put money in pre-tax. In other words, you're writing it off on your taxes this year. You're getting a tax deduction this year. However, down the road, when you go to pull this money out, you have to pay taxes on all of it. On the other side, when you're looking at the money into a Roth IRA, it's going in post-tax. So you're not getting a deduction today, but down the road in retirement, it's all coming back to you tax-free, providing it stays there for five years or to 59 and a half, okay, whichever's longer. So my point is this. If I marched 100 financial advisors into the studio right now with me from around the country, the first third are going to tell you, put it all pre-tax, Heather. And then the second third are going to tell you, no, put it all post-tax on the Roth. 
And I'm a financial advisor who wants it on both sides. I recognize the value and the importance of a tax deduction today going in pre-tax, but at the same time, most clients complain a lot about the taxes they have to pay when they pull the money out in retirement years. So I like a balanced mixture of it. If you can, if you can do both, then obviously split it and do both. It's really a tax allocation strategy, uh, as far as it all goes, and, and taxes are the most expensive thing inside any investments. And to be able to understand this tax allocation discussion, it's vitally important not only for today but as well as down the road. Um, you know, do you get a tax refund each April or do you have to pay? I get a tax refund. So if you're getting a tax refund, that automatically tells me you can afford to put money on the Roth side, the tax-free side. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So so now let's figure it out with your tax return. How much can we shift over from the pre-tax to the Roth side and start building up some of the tax-free dollars, and it won't even hurt you come April uh, on tax filing time? So you, you have yeah. an opportunity to do this, and it's going to pay off huge for yourself in 20 years. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Yep. I appreciate it. Absolutely. If you want, we'll send you out our financial toolkit, and it'll help break it all out to the different tax buckets to see if how much you should put on the Roth or on the um, uh, tax or on the tax deductible side. We'll have someone follow up with you to discuss that if you want. All right. That's great. Okay. Well, then I'll I'll put you on hold, and Bob will get some of your contact information, and we'll be happy to send it out to you. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. Proper financial planning starts with a firm foundation. Don't jump up to the third rung of the ladder when you're trying to climb to the top of the roof. Make sure your insurance is aligned properly. Make sure you have the right types of homeowners, auto, umbrella, disability, long-term care, life insurance, just to name a few. Financial planning starts with a firm foundation, and that foundation is your insurance. Then take a look at your cash flow. Are you able to save money? Save it in the proper places. Retirement planning, traditional IRAs, traditional 401k plans, Roth IRAs. Make sure that the dollars are actually working for you towards your investment objectives. on Fox Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. And Larry Rosenthal is here in studio with us every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, and it's always good to see you, Larry. 
It's good to be here, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> good to see you too. We've been doing this a long time, but yeah, it's fun. We have. Yeah, you know, it's great. Lots of fun. Yeah. We we really enjoyed trying to give people, you know, financial education. We we believe. So, somebody was asking me a, a prospective client the other day. This past week was asking me. He said, you know, what is your account minimums? What 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 do you look for? What's the typical profile of your your client? And I explained to him, I said, you know, our firm, a long time ago, we decided, I decided, basically, that we're not going to have account minimums. We're gonna, we, we believe everybody has the, oppor- has the right to an opportunity for financial education, and that's how we treat it. You know, now, some clients have small accounts, and some clients have very, very large accounts. But at the same time, we, we take our time, and, and some people have more meetings per year versus less meetings and, and different lengths of time during those meetings, depending on account sizes and stuff like that but you know we handle all across the spectrum and 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 um yeah so so uh uh that, that was an interesting conversation that that we were having and and um i don't know how i got started on that but you, you asked me something <laughs> well you know i can i can do that to people i can send them off on a chase but i still think it's important that people realize yeah it is kind of neat that you know you're kind of a one shop for everybody. I mean, it's not uh, an elitist kind of a thing, and you don't have to have too much money, or if you don't have very little money, it's never, never too late to get started and figuring out how to save and do some good financial planning. Well, that that's true, Chris, and and you know, but but at the same time, I don't want to sound like you know one size fits all because that's not that's no. not at all how it works. You know, most of our clients are close to or already retired. And we, we work with a lot of, you know, we do a lot of wealth management, financial planning, legacy planning, and, and things of that nature. And and it's important, though, we, we, we do have younger clients in our firm, and we like clients that want financial education. Uh, that's why we have our, our website the way we have it set up. That's why one of the reasons we do the radio show. Uh, so we send out lots of information each week. People call in or email and say, hey, you know, I heard you on the air, and, and I want some information about this, that, and the other. So we send it out. As you see, a lot of these callers, you know, we'll send out our financial planning toolkit. We've sent out thousands and thousands of those over the years. So, hey, another thing that we want to talk about here. It's about halfway through the year, no doubt about it, and hopefully we'll have a good second half as well. What is your real rate of return on your investments? This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where you have to really give the measurement of what are your investments providing you inside your financial plan. Let me unpack this for you. When you take a look at your rate of return, let's suppose you get a, a, you know, I'm going to use a CD at a bank example because it's very, very easy today. When you suppose you go over to the corner bank there in your neighborhood and you you say, "Hey, I want to get money in a CD." And and they say, "Great, we're offering you a 3% rate of return." And you say, "All right, that sounds pretty decent. I'm going to put my money into a bank CD and I'm going to get 3% today." And then you go, "Well, wait a sec here. You know, I I want to put this into my financial plan." Okay, fine. So we take your your money, we put it into the CD, and we put it into your financial plan. Now, in your financial plan, the way we work with clients is we work on an after-tax and after-inflation measurement because that's the real rate of return that you get to spend at the grocery store. So go back here now and take a look at this 3% CD. You've got a 3% CD, and let's suppose you're in a 22% tax bracket. So that means 0.66%. So that means that basically your CD after taxes is going to return you 2.34%. Okay? 
So you're going, all right, well, I was at 3%, but I got to pay some tax on this money, and I'm at 2.34. Now you say to yourself, well, wait a second here. If inflation, which it has been tracking a little bit lower, okay, but if inflation uh, over, over the last 30 years has been 2.5%, then you're basically getting almost a negative return on your 3% CD. Now, inflation is not 2.5% right now. It's below 2%. But my point is this is, what is your rate of return on your investments? Because you need to start thinking about your investments enabling you to maintain purchasing power. That's what you're in competition with is are you able to maintain purchasing power with these types of investments, whether they're in your 401k plan, a stock portfolio, a bank CD, real estate. I don't care. At you know, The bottom line is your, your money has to provide you that rate of return. So you've got, your, you've got three things that subtract out. You've got your gross rate of return. Then you subtract out taxes, inflation, and fees, the investment fees. Then that's the net dollar, net bottom dollar that you can take to the grocery store and buy your goods and services with. So when we work a financial plan, by the way, go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, click on the video right there on the first page, and it'll show you how a financial plan view is viewed from an after-tax, after-inflation fee scenario uh, type of a financial plan. That's what you really need to be, be honing in on. Don't pay attention to your gross rate of return. Think about this, Chris. Think about all the money that's inside your retirement plan at work. You've put all this money into your re- your pre-tax retirement plan. Here's the rule on it. You control 100% of that. You get to say where that money's invested, how that money's invested. But you only own about 65, maybe 70% of it because when that money comes out, you have to pay taxes on those dollars. So it's very important to translate your gross rate of return into that net bottom dollar, and you can do that through a financial plan. Let's welcome Byron on the line from the district. Good morning, Byron. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you, sir? Um, I'd like to um, know uh, the best strategy to um, uh, invest a lump sum of money. Should I, uh, um, I want to consider current cash flow um, retirement and whether or not to pay that or to pay down a mortgage with the entire um, uh, inheritance. Byron, lots of questions right there, okay? So let's uh, let's unpack them one at a time real quick. First of all, I'm sorry to hear about your loss to, to receive the inheritance, okay? Um, Thank you. Today, in today's market, with the volatility that's going on, the uncertainty of the China-U.S. Uh, trade imbalance negotiations and, and things like that, I would do what's called dollar cost averaging, where I would take a little bit of the money each month and move it into the market, okay, so that over a period of time, you're going to get the average uh, price per share of mutual funds, stocks, ETS, bonds, whatever it is that you're buying, okay? That's the one way that I would implement in moving the money into the market. The second scenario is are you want to turn it into income and towards retirement as well? Correct. So we need to turn away the options. Okay, so we need to make sure that the investments not only provide you the growth that you need short and long term, but that they're conducive to providing a reliable income for you uh, from from good, solid sources. 
So, so that's you know that goes to the question of okay, once we've got the money into the market, where's it going? What type of stock, bond, mutual fund, UIT, ETF are we going to use? What asset class? That's the second thing that we have to break down. The third thing is, well, wait a minute. Forget all this investing. Should I just pay down my debt and have a home that's paid for? So one of the risks of doing that is you could end up with a nice home paid for in retirement by retiring your mortgage, but you could end up being house rich and cash poor, and that's not a good thing. There's a lot of people around the country that have their home paid for, which I'm a fan of. That's wonderful, but they don't have money to go out and and go to dinner with on on Friday and Saturday night because they're house rich and cash poor. So I need to break that down in your scenario to see exactly where you are. There's there's some clients that that they're going to end up with a large mortgage in retirement for various reasons. There are some clients that that we say, nope, we're going to try and help you, you know, show you how to pay this thing down and and get it paid for in retirement. And then there's some people that need to have what I would call a small manageable mortgage in retirement years, enabling them to to invest or, or live off of some of the cash before they just put it into their house. So I don't know where you fall in line with that. I really just need to see your numbers. But all of this can be solved by doing a, a financial cash flow plan. If you would go visit my website, <coughs> excuse me, if you would go visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com, right on the first page there is a video that shows a financial plan of what, I, what I'm thinking with your questions. That's exactly what you need right there, okay? Okay. Um, and okay. That, can, that can break it down. Now, I'm going to, if you want, I'll send you out our financial planning toolkit. There's no cost for it. And we'll have someone, uh, one of our advisors, reach out to you on the phone and give you a follow-up uh, a phone call to go over it and, and then break down these three different questions for you so that it, it will work best in your scenario. Fair enough? Fair enough. Thank you. All right, appreciate the phone call. Go check us out on Facebook and and follow us there. Appreciate it. Go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com. I'm going to put you on hold, and Bob will get some of your information. Looks like Charles is on the line here with us, Larry. Charles, what's your question for Larry? Yeah, two questions. The first one is I turned 62 this year, and I was wondering should I start my uh, Social Security withdrawal? And the second question is should I start withdrawing my TSP to start paying my mortgage? Well, those are some pretty deep questions, <laughs> Charles, and, and the answer is, you know, if you're not working and you want to start Social Security earlier, then that's one check mark in the column that says, yes, take it. The rule of thumb is take it early if you need. The break-even point on waiting to 66 is about age 81. So some people say, well, I'm going to wait till 66 if that's your normal retirement age because I'll get more money for the rest of my life, and that's true. But the break-even age is age 81, so you or 80, depends on how much it is. So you really need to sit down and think about that right there. But if you need the money, then by all means, take it. As far as using the TSP to pay your mortgage, I would have to ask, you know, obviously the money's there. You do with it what you wish. But I would have to ask, are there other proceeds, are there other funds available somewhere else to help make your mortgage payment? And are you going to be pulling all the money out of the TSP and pay off your house, or are you going to use it to supplement your retirement income to make the monthly mortgage payment? What's your plan? Thank you. I want to uh, just to supplement my uh, monthly income to pay my mortgage. 
Good. That's a good use of those funds. Charles, I want to go ahead and put you on hold here, and I'm going to send you out some information about how to go about doing this properly so that you can take the best advantage of your tax deductions while you're pulling the money out of your TSP plan, okay? Well, Larry, it looks like it's that time again. The uh, end of our show has just gone really fast today again, as it always does. Well, it's a good time, Chris. It's it a is. good time, always. And happy Fourth of July to you. Yes, sir. Even happy birthday, America. Over, happy Fourth of July to you, Chris. Go go, uh, go! have a nice cookout this afternoon. I'm sure you will. I'd like to extend the Fourth of July a little bit longer and just extend the appreciation for our military and our men and women who are serving our country. It's just awesome, and we, we just love them. That's for sure. No doubt. I'll second that motion. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful 4th of July weekend. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.